Good morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 12.20 AM. And our sponsor for this first half is Odd Moe's Pizza. As you guys know, they are absolutely amazing when it comes to making that green monster and potato poppers, along with other things. What's your favorite, Barron? I, you know, I still love the green monster. And if I didn't know it was cauliflower crust, I would just think it's a thin crust. Oh, yeah. And I have learned, do not bring potato poppers in because you don't share. I don't get any. I do not share, <laughs> as you know. Um, I actually just had their wings as well. Oh, and they, they were so good. Phenomenal. Yeah. And they, I think they've got this amazing cheesy garlic bread that my sisters tried the other day. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, that was a good one as well. And they have meatballs. Yeah. Who knew? And according to Mike, they have pasta coming soon. Yes, they have new menu items. Yeah. Wasn't that hilarious when he was like quiet for like 15 minutes as he, and he's tortellinis? Does he remember <laughs> the name of that noodle? <laughs> that, was that was awesome. So, so make sure you guys show them some love and support or because uh, we wouldn't be able to broadcast without him. And that's Odd Moe's Pizza. And, dinner and tonight. we kind of have a, a room full. Yes. We have a returning guest in studio, Victoria. Yes. Welcome back. Good morning. Hi, Victoria. And we have two amazing guests over the telephone. Yes. So Eric and Cynthia were on the show a while back. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. And then just a reminder for the listeners, Eric, where are you calling from? We are calling from Lancaster, South Carolina, the other side of the country. All right. And I do remember, uh, so Cynthia's been on twice before. You went on once, but when Cynthia's on the first time, she said that your backyard actually borders the state. You could be in both states at the same time. Yes, our property bisects North and South Carolina. Our backyard is actually in North Carolina. They say it goes by where the mailbox is. <laughs> okay. That would be kind of fun, stand in your backyard like, Right foot in North Carolina, left foot in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets quick. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Well, we always do a recap, and, and do you remember who was here last week? Morgan. Morgan. Yes. So, um, Morgan, I don't know if, Victoria, you had a chance to meet Morgan. You did meet Morgan, yeah. yeah. What, what's your impressions of Morgan? We always ask what, what, what is your impressions of Morgan? My immediate thought is a bright light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's remarkable. She uh, She's young and vibrant, and she battled her cancer, and it took her by surprise, and she took it head on, and she didn't let it nip her in the butt. Mm. And so that was really awesome. And then she went and traveled the world afterwards. Oh, yeah. And so she, it almost kind of lit a little fire in her that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go do the things that I want to do. And so I thought that was really remarkable. That takes that takes a lot of courage. We it all does. we all say we're going to do those things, but it's hard to actually act on them. And so yeah. to see her just living her best life, it was really awesome. Well, and she put herself in a position where she could create an income virtually anywhere in the world, and so could her partner. And so mm-hmm. they said, "Let's go." What's interesting is before she left on that trip, we had listeners in about twenty countries. Mm-hmm. I have the list in front of me. We have listeners in 30 countries Oh, now. wow. 30 countries. And I would venture to guess that a few of these might be because of Morgan. Um, Malaysia, New Zealand, uh, India, uh, Nepal, all places that she went. Yeah. So all you got to do is just download the show from this foreign country, and all of a sudden the list just keeps growing. That's awesome. 
The other part, we kind of ran through it quickly, but I want to do a l- real quick recap on the story I told last week. Okay. Because I knew we were running class on time, so I had to kind of quickly go through it. But there's something fun that happened as I was telling Rebecca Smith's story. And I know you've heard this story a couple times, Amanda. Rebecca's name got submitted to the organization in early 2020, um, actually right before COVID hit. And we began strategizing, what are we going to do to help this lady out? Well, the great thing was is that in, in the summer of 2020, after that first quarter of COVID, Governor Brown relaxed a lot of the rules, and we were able to go to honky-tonks. Her husband had passed away, so now she's the sole breadwinner with cystic fibrosis, multiple um, muscular dystrophy, multiple sclerosis, I'm sorry, multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, had already beat cervical cancer, and now she had blood cancer. Oh, gosh. And her husband had a massive heart attack and died. Ugh. He was a drummer in a local band, and so all these bands came together. It was so fun. We were honky-tonks. It was like band after band after band after band was playing. Yeah. And we had this auction, and I think you might remember. Oh, yep. <laughs> one of the regulars that goes to honky-tonks um, was a big-time wrestler. This guy was big. He was like six foot five, probably <laughs> pushing 320, and it was all muscle. But he was incredibly nervous to be the auctioneer. And so I said, look, all you got to do is keep the people bidding, mm-hmm. right? And if they slow down, then I've got an idea. Well, the bidding slowed down. And so I told everybody, you know, go to the restroom, get another beer, come on back. And then while they were gone, I said to him, <clears throat> when they get back, let's just you and I start some of that big-time wrestling trash talk. Just get them engaged again. Mm-hmm. And he goes, or I could body slam you. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, or we could do trash talk. <laughs> uh, anyway, when he, he taught me the technique. And the whole time through, I'm thinking, this is just going to be a big stage thing. But when everybody got back, uh, I said, dude, you suck at being an auctioneer. <laughs> and we started some trash talking. And, and he says, he says, if you don't get off my stage, I'm going to body slam you. And then the bidding started. And I'm like. I would have bidded on that for the record. <laughs> Sorry, Baron. Love you. <laughs> but I would have loved to see you. <laughs> I'm like, they're bidding on me getting body slammed. <laughs> so I looked at him, and it was one of those things where you just like, no words were exchanged. We, right. just, we knew we had to play this thing out. Um, we got the bidding up to $140. And then he, and just to seal the deal, I said, why don't we just auction off your cowboy hat? And I went to touch his hat, and, and he, you don't touch cowboy's hats. No. No, you and don't. And I watched his, I literally watched his eyes change. He was remembering being in on on the, you know, big time wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I go, I'm so in trouble right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he came at me right to my legs. I weighed 240. He had me over his head, <laughs> spun me around, and body slapped me. Yes. And when I when and the whole time the crowd is still thinking this is not going to happen. Right. And when I came up, Rebecca made some big deal about it. And I said, she's been battling for 30 years, and that took 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it was worth 140 bucks. Absolutely. So that was our story we told last week. That was cool. That was awesome. <laughs> well, the other thing we started last week was not the recipe. Yes. But a t- So this is a magazine from Time Magazine. It is 100 Disease-Fighting Foods. I like this book. It is really, it's just a great little article. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, how old is this? This is a few years old. I just picked it up at the newsstand. But today's is apple cider vinegar. 
I've heard a lot of actually really good things about that. One of my sisters is doing, she's drinking it every day, like a, through like some crazy straw to where you don't taste it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, let's hear it. I've, I'm well, intrigued. Apple, so apple cider vinegar, I started this a few years ago. If you just like a little shot glass size mm-hmm. and just take it straight. I mean, it's, it's the make you pucker up, but it, <laughs> but it boosts your metabolism. It'll help you burn off fat. Okay. So what this says is, why is this a disease fighter? Apple cider vinegar reduces blood sugar. And it's prebiotic, meaning that it feeds our good gut bacteria. It may be an anti-obesity elixir. One 12-week study found that people who were given apple cider vinegar daily rather than a placebo had less body fat, lower BMI, and lower triglycerides in the end of the study. Wow. So it just helps you be... Healthier, Healthier. Yeah, yeah, all the way around. So there's our there's our disease-fighting food for today. And again, listeners that may not have caught that, you can always email Amanda to get a copy of this. Email Amanda at... Amanda at kslm.news. I think I'm going to start doing um, apple cider every day. Apple cider vinegar, yeah. sorry. Um, I've heard that the benefits are really well, good, so... I heard if you add cayenne pepper to it mm. also, that mm-hmm. that helps. I think, is it cayenne pepper that helps like blood clotting and mm-hmm. stuff like that? As with a few other things, maybe that'll be one of them in there one of these times. Well, and if you want, if you want tips on any of this stuff, I would definitely contact Brenda because when oh, yeah. she went through a battle the first time, she had a handful of stuff and it was all just very natural mm-hmm. that she was taking. Yeah. So. Okay. Awesome. So drink your apple cider vinegar. There you go. Well, this is just kind of fun for the listeners. Victoria was podcast number 15. Yes. This is podcast number 132. Okay. Eric, you and Cynthia were podcast number 96. Wow. Crazy. (laughs) But there was something that was mentioned a couple weeks ago when, uh, when we had Scott Mills on the show, and I thought we could bring you guys into this conversation, Eric and Cynthia. We talked about pediatric hospice, which is different than normal hospice. And the way I understand it, and if you heard differently, Amanda, jump in here. But with normal hospice, you know, let's say that I'm in a situation where I'm on hospice and I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. But my spouse doesn't want to let me go. So, so we can both be in that conversation. The problem is, is that Ozzy does not have a voice in this. He's the one on pediatric hospice. And John and Shyla are holding on to that hope that things will get better. And I think they've finally gotten to the point where they realize what's happening. But you guys have been where they're at. So my, my question, and again, Eric and Cynthia both, just can you share what, what they might be going through? What's happening right now at Ozzy's house? So, um, you know, hospice is actually, uh, pediatric hospice especially, is, is amazing. Um, and I think the negative connotation is that it's giving up. And that's not what hospice does at all. It, it does, like you said, it provide a voice and just the support throughout that, that time. Uh, you know, everybody's scared in that moment. You don't want to, you know, to relinquish any hope and you still don't have to, you know, you you don't have to be on hospice the whole time and you can actually get off of hospice and throughout that time as well. But they don't just help Ozzy with, you know, the day to day. They also help the family, you know, 
come to grips with what's going on, and then just provide them the emotional support that's necessary. You know, letting them understand that it's okay um, to allow this to, you know, your body to, to let it happen, to allow God make these choices. And again, it's, it's incredibly difficult when it's a child because you feel like you're giving up. And there, there is no giving up. And I, like I said, I know Shyla and JJ, and nobody has fought harder for their boy than they have. And they should feel very proud of all the stuff that they've done um, for Ozzy and continue to do for him. And, and part of that continued support is hospice and what they're providing for not just them, too, for his sister and his brother also with the support they're going to need throughout our, our fight when we finally did allow hospice in they did little things like handprints you know they sat with my daughter for a while they sat with us for a while they brought us the chaplain they let us express you know the anger and all that out without being directly in front of santiago and let us kind of take our time and go through our emotional process which was paramount at that time because i didn't want to give up i didn't want to feel like i was giving up i wanted to feel like i was allowing things to happen and i think that was part of the joy that hospice brings that kind of gets you know a negative connotation that is such a good insight so i'm, I'm watching victoria over here take notes vigorously any thoughts coming to you here victoria that's a deep breath <laughs> yeah eric <laughs> what you just described is so articulate and meaningful um i've not had the opportunity to be involved with pediatric hospice. I've had multiple opportunities with adult hospice, and so I've seen that side of it. But what you just described is it just so helpful, I think, to everybody. So it's thank you for sharing that. I'm a little bit speechless, honestly, um, because when you bring the children into it, in my mind, they haven't even had a chance to live long. And that in itself is daunting. And then a parent dealing with that, I just can't even imagine. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it takes a special person to be in that field in general. But to do it on the pediatric side, I, I, I personally couldn't do that. But to see what they were able to do, and again, just bring a little bit of calm. Um, and it, it's not every moment because, you know, anytime the meters beeped or anything made a noise, we still jumped, we still reacted but their presence, you know, just standing, and they didn't, they weren't on top of us. I never felt like they were making decisions for us or pressuring us. It was just somebody else that, that was there that wasn't a doctor. That was there for us and us on multiple levels. There was a comment recently on Facebook that Shiloh shared, and for the, you know, the thing that I take away from, from Ozzy's whole experience is the number of people globally that Ozzy's story has touched. You know, the the Facebook following for either Fight Like Ozzy or Santiago Strong or whoever is sharing Ozzy's story, that little boy's helped a lot of people. But there was a post recently, and there's a girl in the picture that I didn't recognize initially, and it's apparently it's his cousin. It's uh, Shyla. Yeah. yeah. And and she turned to she turned to Shyla, and she wasn't sure what she was going to do without her best friend. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I did read that. I was that's heartbreaking. Because she's trying now to process, and she's accepting, you know, the possibility of what could happen. And at that age, you never want to hear that that there is an end. So she's learning, unfortunately, at a young age that you know humans are fragile, and that you know there are things that you know God makes some decisions that we don't get to give input in. 
Um, and now she's going to have to process and learn like my daughter did as well. Like, what do I do now? Is your daughter um, older or younger than Santiago? She's a year and a half younger than Santiago. Okay. So there's probably a similar age gap between Santiago and your daughter as there is between Ozzy and Macy. Similar, yeah. Almost, yeah, it's kind of funny how close it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that you have gotten incredibly close to the family, Cynthia. Is there anything that, that you feel comfortable adding to this conversation? As far as um, the hospice, pediatric hospice, you know, I, I mean, I will say in the moment for us um, when Santiago, you know, we, we came, it came to that time to talk about um, hospice care, I'll be honest, in that moment, you know, when you're actually going through it and you're dealing with, you know, DIPG or just, you know, whatever the case may be, um, for me... I said, you know, no, we're not going to do this because, like Eric mentioned, I think initially your mind is, like, trying to wrap itself around the idea that, my God, I, I'm going to have to get hospice for my child. Um, when you think of hospice, you think of this is the end. Um, in that moment, it was very hard for me, and I, I'll admit I was very much against it at that time um, because a part of me was I was giving in. I was saying that this is it, I was, my mind was saying this is going to be the end, and I, and I didn't want to accept it. Um, but, you know, you, if you really take a moment to breathe and think about what is the purpose of hospice, you know, hospice is to focus about care, comfort, and quality of life of that, of, you know, not only the patient, but for the family. It has, it does not necessarily mean that, you know, this is, you know, the end is today or tomorrow, but it's there to provide, like Eric said, comfort, a better quality of life for not only the patient, but for the family members that are involved. Um, and it does take time. You know, I, it, it took time for me to say, okay, let's do this. Um, and it was the best decision. I mean, it's, it, it, it's not that you're giving in, like he said, it, it really, just provided a better quality of life for him, for everyone. They were there to answer any questions. Um, they were very patient. Um, so, you know, it, it's not easy. It really is not, especially when, you know, it's not easy when it's a family member, but when it, when it involves a child, it makes it even, you know, twice as hard. So it's it's not an easy thing, you know, for right. anybody, really. Right. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance um, Eric or Cynthia, either one of you, to listen to the podcast where Victoria tells her own personal story. Um, from our website, there's there's three endorsements on that homepage, and one of them is actually from Victoria. And I know she's part of a, a big support group here in town. And Victoria, inside of that support group, have you seen people that were put on hospice? Multiple. Yeah, I've been going to the support group now for six and a half years, and so we've we've there have been a lot of ladies that have come in and are no longer with us, and um, I've seen a lot that have been put on hospice. And what I, how, how I'm listening to you, Cynthia, right now is the delivery of hospice really is they come in, as I'm reflecting back, and it's how can I help? And they often don't even ask the question. They just observe and listen, yeah. and they're there. And it's it's that yeah. you could... For child, you could think of them as a room full of angels, so to speak. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. 
We've got a box of Kleenexes in the room right now. They're being passed around. <laughs> yeah, Victoria's yep. very emotional and passionate. Yeah, yes. it is. Um, unfortunately, that's the nature of it. Well, I, I always try to bring something shocking for Amanda. Amanda's not talking a lot right now. Uh, and, and we're not going to even go down this road, but Amanda had to make some of the decisions similar to you guys did. So we're going to avoid that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I did want to bring that I find really shocking is it's, it's from the National Cancer Institute's own website. And for the listeners that don't know, this year, the National Cancer Institute, and they do, they do tons and tons of research. That's the whole purpose for that institute, is they have a $7.3 billion budget for this year alone. But what I find a, a, a bit disturbing is that from their website, it says that only less than 4% of that funding is for pediatric cancers. And that is $292 million. 45 children a day are diagnosed with cancer. Now, there's a difference between research on blood cancer and pediatric mm-hmm. blood cancer, right? There's research being done on brain cancer, but pediatric brain cancer is different. So I just, I just find it really intriguing <laughs> that so little money is actually being put out there um, and and so that was kind of my yeah less than 4% is not very much at all no and our, i feel like our children deserve to have a little bit more than that to say the very least well and the thought that comes to mind for me and i'm sure this thought crossed your mind too eric is cuz i remember as you were telling your story and when santiago began to exhibit symptoms that something was wrong and I sit here looking at Ozzy, who was not even three years old yet. He was two, not quite three, when he was exhibiting symptoms, right? So there are things in our environment. There are lifestyle choices. There's a lot of things that contribute to why I might get brain cancer. But why did that two-year-old, why did that six-year-old or seven, how old is on, why did they get brain cancer? And why isn't there more research specifically to pediatric cancers. That's that's my frustration right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and children are so resilient, too. Um, when my son was in the hospital, one thing they kept reassuring me is that children bounce back more than adults do. They are stronger in their bodies than adults are. And so to not give them the best chance and, and put more money towards getting that figured out, because they do have a fighting chance if we just invest in it a little bit more. Yep. A lot more. A lot more. Yep. A lot more. Uh, um, we're almost, we're, we're running short on time, and I want to pick this up in the second half, Eric and Cynthia, but there's one paragraph here I want to read, and we can maybe mull on this during the commercial break. Uh, so from this it says, as I mentioned, about only 4% of federal funding for cancer research goes to studies on pediatric cancers. One of the main reasons why childhood cancer research is chronically underfunded is that collectively childhood cancers are considered rare. Only 1% to 3% of all cancer diagnoses in the United States are childhood cancers. And yet, an alarming statistic is that every day, 45 children in the United States are diagnosed with cancer. Now, I, I find that like a contradiction. We're saying that childhood cancer is rare, and yet we're saying 45 kids every day get diagnosed with cancer. That seems like a contradiction in, in mm-hmm. the sentence. And for someone who had a kid with childhood cancer, what are you guys' thoughts? you got about a minute and a half. <laughs> we'll carry to the next no, section. 
It, it's exactly that. Uh, I think we're using the excuse of rare to offset the idea that they're funding so low on it. And then they're going to say things like, you know, they're not catching it quick enough. But all these things, you know, the advances in technology, all of the stuff is there. Um, these kids have should have a larger voice than they do. And it's just not being heard. And I think a good excuse is saying that it's rare. But like you just said, 45 kids a day, that's 45 kids too many. Mm-hmm. We yeah. got a minute, Victoria. Got any thoughts that or just carry them on to the next half? I, 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 Eric, I'm completely with you. Uh, again, your description is very articulate and very mindful of uh, I, how statistics play into a lot of things. And sometimes mm-hmm. the numbers yep. are not recognized I don't even know how to say that. Largely enough, I mean, like you said, 45 one is too many. Mm-hmm. 45 daily is way too many. So what are we doing mm-hmm. about it? Why are we not asking right. the whys? Getting into the And actually, yeah. and real quick, just, you know, for us to say rare, especially for me, I get angry with that word because I want to know who's, what does, then what, you know, define rare to me then. Mm-hmm. And then because when Santiago was diagnosed, a month prior to his diagnosis, there was another girl in the same development as we live who was also diagnosed with DIPG. And when I told the neurologist that, she looked at me like I had three heads, like there's no possible way. I said, uh, for you to tell me that it's rare, for me, I feel like you're lying because there's someone else in the community who has the same type of cancer that my son was just diagnosed with. So it's, it's hold, you know, it, it, it does boggle my mind, really. Hold, hold that yeah. passion and thought for the next half, Cynthia. All right, I'm going to give a huge shout-out to our sponsor, Odd Mo's Pizza. Make sure you guys go down there and show them some love and support for lunch or dinner today. And we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned.